He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast, the season two, episode 10, and we are reviewing White Christmas this week. I'm Devlin Clemens, and as always with me is the one and only Jason Quinn. Jason? Hello, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm sorry? Children of all ages shouldn't be listening to this. That is correct. We are a fun podcast. Um, we say what we want um, and kind of do what we want as well. Unfortunately, this week we are sans Vivian Matthew. Vivian had to take care of some personal things this week um, and was un- unable to record with us um, in the time frame that we had to record. So, uh, Viv, we do miss you. Uh, we hope you get back soon to record and uh, talk a little movies with us. But this week we're reviewing White Christmas. This is both. Uh, well, it's one of my mom's favorite mo- Christmas movies. I don't know if it's a, her exact favorite Christmas movie, but uh, Jason mentioned last week that it was his mom's favorite Christmas movie, and Jason had actually never seen the film. So I'm going to hand the reins over to Jason Quinn and let him discuss his viewing of White Christmas. Jason, take it away, sir. <clears throat> so I had put off viewing this movie for a very long time because it felt like it was something that I was not going to be into. And it just seemed like it was just too dated, just not going to be something that I was wanting to watch. But I figured this time around, you know, we were going to be drawing movies randomly out of the, you know, stocking. So I figured, you know what, I'll put White Christmas in there. And if, you know, fate wants me to watch this movie, then I'll watch this movie. So I put it in there and then, you know, lo and behold, it pops up this week and I spent the entire week avoiding it <laughs> again. And I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really in the mood to watch this movie. And at, at one point in time, I even thought to myself, like, is it too late to change the movie? <laughs> is it too late to just, you know, re-record a completely different film for this week? And I think a lot of that comes from like I tried to watch the film twice this week and everybody in my house was like this looks like a terrible movie I'm not watching it with you so it was just like all right it's just going to be me watching it by myself and so it, it was kind of a fight to get to the point where I finally even hit play on it but from then on it's a fantastic film like I, it had a smile on my face almost the entire time. It's a good, wholesome movie. It's, you know, it, <clears throat> it's a clearly simpler time. Um, and that's kind of a cool, I mean, it's, it's, 
things like that that I, I think you know you almost miss a little bit of this time of year specifically um, obviously I was not alive in the 50s but <laughs> you know it reminded me a lot of my grandma and um, the type of woman that she was and <clears throat> that brought back a lot of fond memories and I don't know there was just something about this movie that just has you know like a, a a light inside of it there's just something kind of beautiful about it it's is it a movie that that honestly I don't even know that it's super Christmassy for through throughout this movie really it's kind of doesn't have a Christmas vibe for the better part of the entire film but it ends up being um hear this that are you know kind of filler parts that i would probably have cut but overall i felt like it was a good movie dev so i i haven't watched this movie in probably almost 30 years if i mean i couldn't tell you the last time i watched it um because i think when i was living with my mom i thought the movie was hokey it was older movies i didn't really get to be a cinephile until later on in life and so those older classic movies were super hokey to me at times they just you know growing up in a different era you don't appreciate um things like that as much as you do as you get older um and realizing that how things were back then and not in and like you said a simpler time but just a different era of style and and class and uh how uh women and men both uh, presented themselves in that time um i'm reminded of like like you said your your grandma but i'm more reminded of like my grandfather and how he you know he fought in the war and he probably spent christmas at least one or two years uh, not in America, you know, in the South Pacific. And so that whole opening scene really kind of moves me into, you know, thinking about my grandfather and how he probably felt, you know, sitting in some place that wasn't home and being, you know, hearing, you know, bombs or whatever, you know, the sounds of war for Christmas. Um, the movie itself, I found myself like dying laughing at times, just like some of the, the adult humor that's not really vulgar, but it's like tongue in cheek uh, humor from Danny Kay. I thought Danny Kay had like some of the best lines, but I mean, to be honest, Bing Crosby had, you know, some good one liners in there too. Like, they're a legendary duo in the movie business and and that was it showed really well in this movie um and not to be i've done the the girl co-stars in it you know rosemary clooney and i'm her name is um her name is slipping me at the moment give me a second here um rosemary clooney and vera ellen um, 
they were fantastic as well with some of their one-liners and in, in what was written for them. The movie, how it shot, it was one of the first films done in the, the new like Technicolor scheme. And it 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 shows in, in how grainy and gritty it kind of looks and a little off color. Clearly you can tell this is all filmed on a set. Um, but the 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 hard work that those set uh, people had to do back then, man, it was is really, really outstanding. Um, it has a a really like up close feel to it. Um, when you're watching it you feel encapsulated in every scene. You don't feel far off in anything. It, it, it almost shoots like a sitcom, um, even though it's a movie, but it, it's all really just, I don't know how it's shot to me in, in looking at personal. it. Now, yeah. Personal. Yeah. It feels like you're part of the, the movie and how it's filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big song and dance guy, but I appreciate the, the athleticism and the talent that it takes to put on that type of stuff. Uh, and it showed really well in this movie, like Vera Allen or Vera Ellen is like, she was phenomenal as a dancer in this movie and, and apparently was classically trained as a dancer. So uh, and it really showed through here too. Again, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, they're a classic duo and, and hard to beat in that regard. I found myself really enjoying this movie more as an adult watching it for the first time in over 20 years and, and really getting into the story. And you're right. It's not Christmassy until like the very end, you get that real wholesome Christmas feel like it builds you up to that very end. So that it does a really good job of like not focusing on being a Christmas movie. Um, like the beginning and the end when they're talking about, you know, they're singing the songs about Christmas. And I mean, I really, I really, really enjoyed watching it, even though it's, you know, 40, you know, 50 some, almost 50 some years old or, or 60 some years old. I really, really enjoyed watching the film. Actually, it's almost 70 years old. Excuse me. Um, I really did enjoy watching the film. I thought, like I said, acting's not, anywhere you know to what level of acting is now but uh, you know I, you got to encapsulate yourself in that kind of time frame where acting was in its infancy still kind you know kind of people weren't you know i think it's i think it was a different thing too yeah back then i think that the acting wasn't necessarily it was it was more you know you you, you come away from like the the vaudeville kind of kind of time of of acting and you kind of they're working towards a more realistic human being portrayal betray, portrayal jesus christ i can't speak for shit <clears throat> and so i feel like the acting it's not that none of these actors aren't talented it's just the style's different so it's a lot different from what yeah. we're used to and i'm not saying that you were disagreeing with that but um just to comment on it I feel like no, there, no, no, no. there's I mean, a lot of talent there. It, what it feels like is that everybody had their lines and they were like just shooting lines like at, at a fast pace at times. Um, but again, like I said, that's, you know, that was kind of the acting style back then. And no one, no one kind of embraced slowing it down. Like the conversations felt real, but they felt like it was just like 
bing, bang, 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 bing, 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 bing. Because, um, no, I mean, a lot of those you know, quick quick one-liners that Danny Kay was delivering, like, no one's that fast on the on the draw as far as with witty comebacks um, and, the, and their interactions. I mean, it, it's just, uh, like I said, it, it just had that type of, like, you know, you could tell it's early acting, early American acting, and it had that really different vibe to it. Um, I said, there's a lot of things about this movie that are so good. It even had like a, the way the sets were built had like a Wizard of Oz type feel to it. Um, oh, yeah. you know, it's 20 years, 20 years older than, than the Wizard of Oz, but it still had that kind of, like I said, I don't want to say hokey. That's not a good word for it, but it had, you could tell it's sets. You can tell that they're in a, they're in a, they're in a movie lot, they're in a set and it's, it's all there, but everything feels real. Nothing feels green screen. Nothing feels like you reach out and touch it. Like it, that's the inside of the the inn felt like a real inn. It felt like you could go there and have a nice ski vacation and have a beer or you know liquor at the bar and get something to eat. And the rooms seemed, seemed cozy. You know the portrayal of Vermont seemed very good. Uh, I mean, I've never been there. You just <clears throat> how you, you would kind of maybe picture how Vermont would be. Um, yeah, it, this movie, it, it surprised me in how much I enjoyed it. I, it really did. It really, really did. I just, I'd never given this movie a second thought in regards to, I, I knew it was a classic, um, but I just never really sat down and watched it for Christmas. Yeah, I, I think I, I came in, like, I rented it, you know, like, digitally to, to, to watch it, and as soon as it ended, I kind of had this, like, buyer's remorse of renting it versus just going ahead and going with the purchase, because it was only, like, two times the price or something like that, you know? Right. So I'm like, after it ended, I was like, man, I should have just went ahead and bought that, because it's not something that I think that I won't watch again, by any means, like, you know, come Christmas time, maybe not next year, but the year after or something like that, I could definitely see myself sitting down and watching this again. Because it, <clears throat> there's just something, I, I feel like this year I've kind of struggled a little bit with trying to find that Christmas spirit. But like, it's like this movie doesn't have an overly Christmas vibe to it, but it has the warmth of a Christmas movie. Right. Like that soul of what you, what, what it really means to be a Christmas movie that like the heart and the soul and the, the, <clears throat> the kind of just generosity and, and loving nature uh, that, that exists in, in most of humanity is very present in this movie. And and just as a side note, you had mentioned this earlier, but I didn't get a chance to comment on it. The opening scene is one of the heaviest hitting scenes that I have experienced on the show. Because it's definitely an emotional opener, like nothing you don't expect it creeps up on you. Oh man, it, you know you you see you know there it's it's all kind of like whatever, and then. The moment he starts singing White Christmas. That's the end. It. 
I know, but the moment he starts singing, he, he it's not the end, because right after that, the the general comes up and uh, then they they talk about how much they love him and all that stuff too. Yeah. Um, that's the end of his little show. But like when he starts singing White Christmas and he says that he's dreaming of a White Christmas and he's looking out at you know this world war torn country that he's in and all of the disheveled shoulders who are just trying to feel some type of good about you know the world and the way that things are right now and they're missing home and all that stuff it hit me so much differently than that song has ever hit me before because i've always that's always been one of my all-time favorite christmas songs if not the number one christmas song for me yeah when you put imagery to the words it it, it's mm -hmm. very powerful when you can actually visualize why that song was being sung at that moment oh god it's 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 so gut-wrenching you know what i mean because like for it to be something that I had heard my entire life and I didn't know where it was truly from, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then to hear it and see it there in its full context and understand it, man, it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. And from that moment on, I was, I was locked in. Like, <clears throat> yeah. you, you just want to see know. where this... Because if that's the high point of the movie, you want to see where this movie goes from here. Because it's a, it's a pretty high point right there. Because it establishes characters and reasoning mm -hmm. and everything in that one little scene encompasses everything right there. So you want to see where it goes. And that, that's another beautiful part about this movie because it all comes full circle at the end with the general. They do the same exact thing at the end of the movie and brings him to tears he doesn't actually mm -hmm. full-on cry but you can watch his eyes well with with tears at that moment when his men from his infantry are all standing there and they're they're giving him praise and you know the the ruse was in with wallace and uh giving back to his you know his general that led him in war it's um uh, and I think that's the the mean the, the overall meaning is that uh, you know no matter what things can come full circle and and you can give back for Christmas it's a it's a minute thing that he didn't you know he didn't really have to get a blinked and just you know said no I don't want to help out the general but he felt some form of loyalty to him um, being under his command and wanted to help out someone he respected not necessarily a friend because in the army that's not something that kind of happens with up you know higher ranks is that you become friends with him but he respected him enough that he and you know he had held success outside of you know the war that he wanted to help him out and then you know you got to throw the love story in there um and i i think i appreciate the love story in this movie so much because of how danny k and Vera Allen um, needed to a lot of what you just said was all broken up oh was it I'm sorry 
uh, I, I was saying that I appreciate the um, the love story in this movie. I appreciate the love story in this movie, and that I appreciate the the characters of Vera Allen and Dan- Danny Kay and how they're they're kind of in love, they're kind of falling in love, but their their pact is to get these two uh, folks in his friend and her sister together. It's like uh, that the scene where her the the sister Vera Allen's character is like. Uh, you, you know she's she's a tough one and uh oh yeah she's and danny k's like well she's in there with the champ like i laughed really hard at that like <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek humor there with the characters but i love i love their their playfulness and how they're kind of they're beating around the bush of uh with their feelings they're kind of coming together for a common cause <laughs> and then it all kind of ends up working out in the end for everybody that's a really good, you know, portrayal of a love story. It's it's completely different than what you see nowadays. And like you'd see two characters and they instantly fall in love. And it was more of like they had to work for it. So it was really it was really cool. Really cool to see. I'm great. I'm happy to see that you were also, you know, kind of struck by it in a similar fashion as me you know what i mean that it kind of caught you off guard in a positive way as well i don't yeah i i I watch movies and i don't get i don't get emotional about movies too much um but i spent a lot of time with my grandparents and my grandfather told me stories of of war and and his time uh he he never saw like action because he was a, a tech sergeant so he was working on vehicles and stuff like that in his time in the war. So I don't want to make him out to be a, like a war hero. I mean, he spent, he did his time. He served his country. I'm very proud of to call him my grandfather. Um, but he was stationed in the South Pacific. And I mean, I know for a fact, he spent a couple of Christmases outside of home. And when you grew up in a little town of Orant, Ohio, uh, it, it, for him to be, you know, thousands of miles away from his family, and having to have Christmas, that that's what really struck me is like, I felt like I understood my, I, I connected with my grandfather once again and how he felt. And when I watched it for the first time, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't grasp that concept. When you're an adult, you can kind of, you can kind of feel that presence of your, you know, uh, uh, because it's, you know, it was World War II. So you, my mom grew up with stories of that i in turn would grow up with stories like that and have an appreciation for the veterans of all walks of life um and then to to have that visual aid in front of you and to see the men like under the command of the general get kind of discouraged about the song a little bit when he's singing like they're they're dreaming of a white christmas and they put their heads down like because they they they're all, you know, from different walks of life in different areas, and they are dreaming of a white Christmas because they were stationed in Italy, so they're not going to see snow. They're not going to have Christmas as they know it, as they'd known it growing up. It definitely, it definitely is a hard-hitting... Uh... A hard-hitting scene and what's weird about it to me is I found that <clears throat> I've seen a lot of like movies about you know various wars 
But for some reason, I can't think of any movie other than this off the top of my head that focuses on soldiers around Christmas time in even just a small amount, you know? And something about that, that particular scene and what they were dealing with there really drove something home for me more. And I got like a even deeper appreciation for people that have, you know, put themselves on the line for our country and, you know, and to, you know, for our freedom and stuff. And that's, you know, you, you see even, I mean, even, you know, you see movies like, you know, Saving Private Ryan and things like that, where there's, you know, there's full on graphic depictions of what these people were going through. And they're, you know, from what I've heard, like realistic betrayal or portrayals of what it was like, you know, and then something about the seeing it from that emotional perspective Mm -hmm. and understanding what Christmas means to me and what Christmas means to the vast majority of, you know, of us here in America, that it kind of just hit really different than than I feel like anything has for me in in terms of a, a military based movie or a Christmas movie and even I mean even you see the you know you see <clears throat> videos and and commercials and stuff of people that are you know currently overseas that are not going to get to come home from for, for Christmas and stuff but and you know they're they're giving shout outs and saying Merry Christmas to their families and stuff they play them on like football games and things like that and something about seeing this versus just hearing you know not going to be able to make it home but you know just to give a shout out to you know so and so something about this just hit me it hit me real hard and then for them to get that payoff in the end where they're able to kind of return that love and appreciation that they had for the general back to him when he was feeling you know kind of useless and kind of like you know he had already done what he was meant to do and now what else did he have left you know Mm -hmm. and you can see it in his face and and in that moment where you look at and he's you know he's welling with tears and stuff to me that was phenomenal acting in in that moment in particular because all of the he says nothing right all of the emotion and all of the gravity of that moment is written all over his face and you feel it deep within your bones. Yep. <clears throat> Absolutely. And so I, 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 it, it, I was impressed to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I took away from it a lot of things, but I mean, I got, so much there it's a it, the movie's a roller coaster of emotions it honestly is i mean i'm there's parts where i'm dying laughing i mean i'm like side splitting like can't breathe pause the movie kind of laughing because of the the one-liners that were thrown in there the the dialogue that was going in. and then there's the 
flip side of that coin where it's an emotion where you like you you feel a sense of Christmas cheer and the holiday spirit is right there in that room with all those people. It had a feel, but I mean, again, a different time. And I, I tell people all the time, I, I was born in a different era. I was really born in a different era because I appreciate, and I guess I think it's because I grew up around my grandparents who had a very fond appreciation for their time as young adults. And, and I, I heard stories and, and to see things and how people interacted and how men and women both, like I said before, how they looked uh, from how they dressed and how they carried themselves. Everything seemed very different. There seems, it seems like a, just a different time. Like, you know, we don't live in a time like that anymore where, where men hold themselves uh, and carry themselves a different way. Not saying that what we live in right now is bad, but it is just such a different time. And I appreciate every aspect of that era of time and, and movies and, so like that. So when we watch those older, you know, the films that are made now that try to depict the, the that era, I appreciate some of that a lot more. Um, but to see movies made in that era, it brings a whole other aspect to to what we talk about here. Because yes, we're about movies, but we're also about things that we like and and you know, talking about history and 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 different things uh, that go on inside the movie. Um, and and it, again, it's just. It has a different feel for me. Um, that's that's the that's the gist of it as far as that goes. Um, <clears throat> you want to move on to favorite scenes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can move on to favorite scenes. Uh, I you know what? I'll go first with favorite scene. Um, it's it's so small, but this how. Bing Crosby and Danny Kay interacted in that scene was it was there was something so cool about it it's the scene when they're getting undressed from their their first little number when they're um in the dressing room and they're like they're throwing like throwing stuff at each other and like without missing a beat like Danny Kay's grabbing out of midair and putting it in the the um the dressing box the the luggage and he's just like they're, they're but their dialogue is still going like they're talking and he's like grabbing ties out of the midair without looking and like person comes in with the 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 train tickets and and he like he reaches behind his back and grabs them without turning around and just like it was smooth and i just i love how that scene flowed and how the interactions never stopped it was like they were just in in the moment, in the motion, and they were just having this conversation and and how he was just catching things almost without looking, just like grabbing it, putting it in the trunk. I don't know, just how it flowed. It's not a big scene in the movie, and it's not very pertinent for the movie itself. But I really appreciated how that scene flowed. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. That scene is, it doesn't even feel. It doesn't feel like a, a choreographed scene. It feels authentic. It feels like like the two of them are just so in sync with each other that you know they're just completely in the zone and they are you know it's one thing to to, to say that they are are 
you know, good friends and have had an act together for years. Yeah. But it's entirely different to, and it's weird. Like you could, you could say that you could, you could portray it in a way that was them on stage acting together or whatever. But I think the way that they interact off the stage, like preparing for the next part of their journey is far superior in showcasing how good of friends they are and how close they are and how much this is just every day for them yeah yeah it just seemed like they did it a thousand times and it's it's like it's like muscle memory like it's just like this is what's going to happen when we get to the dressing room like and he's just like loading it up but i want to give up i want to give a runner-up scene because i i laugh really hard in the scene and it's the scene where they dress up as the girls and they do the number the girls did and it's just it's super funny and it's made even more funny by the fact that um they pull their pant legs up and you can see that they're wearing uh sock holders old-fashioned old-timey sock holders on their on their shins they go all the way around so for those i'm trying to get people visual aids so for people that dressed back then and my grandfather had a pair of these and because i was like what in the hell are these and he's like oh those were to hold your socks up so it looks like um looks like women's lingerie that goes around your your leg the bottom your, the calf part of your leg it's a it's and you hook them to your socks and it keeps your socks up and it was an it was a way it was an accessory that a man used when he would dress in his you know uh suit and suit pants to keep his socks up. But it's just like to see those was like, and they pulled their pant legs all the way up and they got all these, these women's attire on and the feathers and they're being very flamboyant with their moves. It was such a funny, like choreographed scene and how it was done. I, I, I was dying laughing at the whole number because it was just, it was, it was, com- it was comedy genius. It was kind of, it was really unnecessary for the film, but necessary at the same time. Like they get, they stalled to give the girls more time to get out, but it was at the same time, like no one blinked an eye when they were on, you know, they were out on that floor doing that number. They, everybody was just laughing and having a good time. And I, and myself was watching and ha- laughing and having a good time. So if I had to get a runner up, it would be that one. I, uh, I would say that that is, I'm not sure if I would put it as number one or runner up, but I really enjoyed that scene. And actually I, I really like the, the dance number that they have outside by the bridge right before that scene. And they're kind of like, uh, just kind of, it's like such a flirtatious dance and the song that they're singing. And I just, I, I loved the, the set that they had on because like that was on in the background and stuff because it, it was very much like you could tell for sure that it was a set. And for some reason that added to this movie, it didn't in any way take away from the charm of it at all the fact that you can tell that everything was a set made it even more appealing for me. So because movies aren't that little dance number. Movies are filmed on set. Right. 
but the set designs are so good now. Like you wouldn't know that it's a set. It's literally like right. these older movies. You can tell now. Like I was saying before, the set design still to this day to me is it, it was phenomenal. Like how they had little rivers in and a bridge for the the inn, and he's driving the jeep in there, like in the fall leaves or the, the leaves are all in the ground. Like painstaking work went into building a set that looked so real and had you had so much area to work in. Now, when you make a set, the sets are usually boxed in and you've got one scene and then you have to move to another set or the sets are big, but they're not over. They're not overly big to where you can, you get that wide angle feel of it. Yeah. Cause I mean, even if you go as far as like the net, the last, the, most recent movie that I can think of that's also a Christmas movie that takes place primarily on a set is Home Alone. So the the vast majority of that movie is a set, like the entire house and all of that, aside from some of, some of the exterior shots. But everything that takes place in the house, which is where the bulk part of the movie is, mm. is a set. But without me being just the kind of movie buff that I am, and researching films and watching documentaries on movies and things like that, I'd have never fucking known. Right. Like, I only know that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I only know that because I've spent that amount of time. Like, that whole entire scene or the whole house from, uh, from Home Alone is actually in the gymnasium of the high school that, uh, the breakfast club is filmed in. <laughs> so it's like, I think that's funny as hell and kind of an awesome, you know, piece of uh, movie. I, I can tell you how I know it's a set, how I know Home Alone's a set. There's a little piece of trivia for everybody. If anybody's ever seen the, the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I know Jason hasn't seen that yet. But in that movie, the house that they use at the end of the movie is the same Home Alone house. So when the, they actually shot it inside the house, because you can see the, the street on the outside. So if you look at the front of the house when they're standing in the foyer, you can, and then you see the front of the house of the foyer in the home alone, you can tell it's different, barely, but you can tell it's different because the movies were only shot like three years apart. So you can tell that it's different. Because <laughs> there's a scene in Home Alone um, where Kevin slides down the, the stairs on the the sled and it's if you look at that scene in home alone prior when um uh the uh joe pesci's the he's dressed up as the cop and he's in there you can tell that 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 is not the same set of stairs that he slides down because they actually had to shoot it in the house because you had to see the exterior of the the street and everything and they say they did the same thing in planes, trains, and automobiles, they had a shot from the top of the stairs down, looking down, you could see the street. Um, but again, back to the, you know, back to White Christmas, I feel like they they never, you know, you never didn't know that you were, you were experiencing a movie on a set, but it was very charming the whole time. And I feel like I really loved 
the the two scenes that are right there where you know the the two guys are dancing together to the sister's number and then also the dance scene where um danny is dancing with one of the sisters i can't remember what her name is but i felt like that was just i don't know i i <laughs> those that kind of drove me in so you can have your opinion and maybe someone agrees with you um yes. moving on to uh favorite quote oh i'm yeah favorite quote um mine's pretty easy um there's a scene it's in the it's in that beginning part where when they're talking and they're it's at my favorite in my favorite scene they're talking about the guy that they were stationed with and uh he's got two sisters <laughs> and i i this this line got me so bad like it's right down my humor alley and i was just i i was at work and i had my earphones in and i had to pause the movie because i was like beat red and couldn't breathe and i'm like that might be one of the greatest lines in movie history um I don't know if you caught that, but here, so Phil says, Phil Davis, and that's um, Danny Kaye's character. He says, how can that guy, how can that ugly, how can that guy, how can a guy that ugly have the nerve to have sisters? <laughs> and Bob Wallace says, Ben Crosby's character says, very brave parents, I guess. <laughs> I laugh so hard. And I know it's 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 such a mean scene, but that is it was so funny. And it's funny the, the picture they showed of the guy. You, do you know who that is? You remember seeing the picture of the guy that they showed? Mm-hmm. The, that is the original Alfalfa from the Little Rascals. Oh no shit. It's funny. Basically, I, uh, what's your favorite quote, sir? Um, I really they use this quote a couple of times throughout the movie, and I just kind of find it as an amusing thing that I feel like you would you could say to you know your friend, where he says uh, he says, "Why are we doing this?" And he said, "Well, you could just say that we're helping out a buddy from the army," and or something something similar to that effect. I, he's like, "It's not a." It's not a good reason, but it's a reason. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like that's just such a a good uh, line for like just two friends because I feel like that's the type of shit that I would say to <laughs> to, to you or some you know one of my other friends, mm-hmm. you know, to try to get you guys to do something it's like you know. <laughs> right. It's like well, it's not a good reason, but it's a reason. <laughs> That's good. I like that too. Um, favorite performance? Uh, I'll I'll let you take the reins on this one first. Um, I think yeah, probably Danny. I think he he has the way that he he was as a character. Uh, some of the the like the physical things that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the kind of slapsticky movements that he has, 
mm-hmm. as a character. I found that to be really funny and it's it's timeless humor as we've discussed here. Yeah. So that never gets old <clears throat> at all. At all. And it, he didn't he wasn't overly slapstick. It was like a mm-hmm. like a novice, but it was still funny at times like when he was doing the the dead leg for the general. Like he yeah. He was selling that leg really hard and like, oh, he, it was funny because he, he had him. He's like, are you all right now? And they're outside. He's like, no, no. Can you just walk me around the bar or walk, walk me around the bar? <laughs> yeah. But he kept looking like when they were taking him out, he kept looking back at the girls like, I got him. like it was funny, like great little slapstick. Yeah, no, um, I agree with you. I think Danny Kay, um, I think he steals it here. Um, I just think I, I find Bing Crosby <coughs> in his movies to be very like not dull, but he's very like straight laced a lot of times. There's not a lot of uh, ups and downs. Uh, Danny Kay, I found like he had a lot of you know uh, humor in the character, but he also had a lot of human qualities that he brought to that character as well. So yeah, it's I, I'm gonna agree with you on that one, it's Danny Kay. Um, when we've done favorite performance, it is ratings time. Um, you know, I didn't think that I was going to give it this when I, when I watched it, I was like, man, this is going to be, I'm not going to enjoy this movie. It had been a while. Like it just, I went back to the little kid and me and I was like, oh, so boring. Um, but the movie, the movie made me laugh, man. <laughs> made me laugh and, it, and I enjoyed it. Like I'm not even a big musical guy. And for me, like, this is a 10, this is a 10 Christmas movie. And again, like I said, Christmas doesn't really show up till the end of the movie. So it's a 10. Yeah, I <laughs> I honestly felt like before I started this movie, that was going to be given this probably the lowest rating that I would ever give a Christmas movie on this podcast. And there's a couple of scenes. There's two scenes in this movie that I would have probably cut if I was making this movie today. But I, and I had debated on taking away some points for that, but then I think about the time period and what they were trying to showcase with this movie. And so I can't really dock points from it. So I think from, I think I got to give it a 10 to, I think it's, I think it's just across the board. It, it hits every, every note that I could ever want it to hit. I can probably name good. the two scenes you're referring to. Okay. Let's, so do, let's hear it. The, it's one of the dance numbers where she's dancing with um, the Italian guy. It just showcases mm-hmm. like what they're going to be doing in the performance. Like mm-hmm. their rehearsals quote. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other one is... I want to say it's like the, the club scene when she goes back to New York. I don't really think that's a necessi- ne- necessary scene, other than because we could have went to her watching the. the I would have kept the Ed the Ed show or whatever it was called. It's supposed to be a spoof on Ed Sullivan, but I, I think that I think that could have been cut because it was kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Other than the fact that she was singing about Wallace's character. I just think that I think that's the reason why I, I I was okay with that. Well, I just think like I said, I just think it was just um, I think it, it it was just too much. Like he's trying to talk to her, like he's really like trying to t- talk to her and find out things, and like instead of like letting her 
learn it on her own that he was not trying to make this a big spectacle. He was trying to really put his his grit into it, so to speak. I think we could have just seen her watching the TV and been like, oh, I made a mistake. But I, I mean, probably. I've seen right your scenes. So you're wrong on one of them. The, uh, the club scene I would have kept in. Okay. Um, the the dance with the Italian guy, I'd have definitely cut that one. There's not much of a point to it um, at all. It just felt like filler. And But, but the other scene that I would be the two scenes that I guess the, like the one you said was that dance number at the club and then the little interaction afterwards the scene that I would have cut was a dance number and a song in this movie but I felt like it had no weight or bearing on the story in any way and it's the song choreography and they talk about how they were you know they're doing choreography and they used to tap or whatever I felt like you could cut that scene from the movie and it would take away absolutely nothing. Oh yeah, that that other dance scene too. Yeah, I get that. I get I now now that I now that I see see what you're saying. Yeah, that one. I get it. The whole Danny Kay dressed like a uh, a French artist and the weird dancers around him. I I know what you're talking about. Mm. Those two dancing. Yeah, it just. It, it just wasn't like I, some of the rehearsal stuff felt like important to, to an extent like it felt like they were you know showcasing what the show was and things like that but like for some reason those two those two parts just didn't feel like they were necessary at all right okay um so we both gave it tens um jason you have anything else to say about white christmas all good here all right all right, folks. So that is the end of segment one. Uh, stay tuned for a short message from Know Your Cinema podcast, and we will be right back with segment two, the get to know Know Your Cinema part of our show. Stay with us. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening and supporting Know Your Cinema podcast. If you like what you hear in this episode, please check out our vast library of over 60 episodes covering a wide variety of films from comedy, action, horror, and everything in between. You can listen to the show on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Also check out our social media platforms for fan polls and interaction with all the hosts of Know Your Cinema Podcast. Give us a like at Facebook at Know Your Cinema Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at KYC Podcast. And now, without any further ado, back to the show. Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast. This is segment two. This is the Get to Know Know Your Cinema uh, section of our podcast. Again, with me is Jason Quinn. We are Sans Viv and Matthew this week. Um, and with the question this week is going to be myself. And I didn't really have something prepared, but just going to kind of wing it with the question. Um, so, Jason. You, you have a very big uh, TikTok following uh, as far as what you do on there. Now, for those of you who don't follow Jason on TikTok, Jason does dances on TikTok for about 30 to 45 seconds. And I want to ask Jason, and I'll answer the question too, but 
if you had an opportunity to play a dancer in White Christmas, would you do it? And would you be would you be trying to walk your way to the back, or would you be right up front doing your dance number? I mean, a hundred percent. I would. Uh, if watching this movie now, and it was have a you know we we both have firm beliefs on you don't fuck with classics that are already you know good the way they are. <clears throat> um, so as long as they weren't trying to remake it and it was just a brand new movie being made right now um, or even if I was back then getting ready to be cast in it I would 100% be uh, comfortable dancing in White Christmas <laughs> uh, obviously I would have to go through some of the choreography training and stuff because and if you I... look at my TikToks my, my dancing skills are not up to snuff <laughs> Yeah, no shit. I would definitely have to, like, unless I was playing like Santa Claus, and the only thing that I did was like bowl full of jelly jiggle across the stage, then I would definitely need to. There you go. To hit a diet on this, but yeah, but uh, I would definitely, I would definitely do it. Okay. Okay. It'd be fun. Okay. Um, I wouldn't. I can't dance, so. Uh, a lick. I could slow dance. I'd have been in the slow dance scene. I couldn't. I couldn't do. Uh, I couldn't do the number. <laughs> I couldn't do the numbers that Danny. Like watching that. Like Vera Allen. I was watching her. I'm like, God, this this lady just is like high kicks and like back kicks, and she's just like amazing. Like just how she was just moving. And I'm like, wow. Like I wish I could do stuff like that, but I'm like, nah. I'm good. Like I'm break a hip if I try to do some. Some stuff, even the stuff Danny Kay was doing, I'm like, nah, y'all are moving, y'all are moving way, way worse than me. Like I, I'd, I'd fall, and I'd be out of breath in five minutes anyway. So, be, my, my cardio is not is built for wrestling rings, not built for, for dance numbers. So, they would have had to, to shoot that scene in segments, <laughs> like five minute segments, and it been right. really bad editing. Um, but no, I wouldn't. I, I would have tried to be on the movie, but I would have not tried to be in any form of the dance number like i am the i have no hip movements whatsoever to me like they god cursed me with like just bolted down hips that cannot move whatsoever uh as far as doing any type of dancing and striding or anything like that so um yeah that's probably another reason you know who you could have played I could have made the the fat guy that couldn't get in his suit for the for the the general. Uh, the That's guy. exactly who I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I could have played that guy. I could have played a major yeah. too. I could have played yeah. anything other than being a part of a dance troupe in that movie. Could have been the band leader. It, I mean, it could have been anybody. Yeah, I, I have no rhythm whatsoever. Like, put me in a wrestling ring, I'll entertain you all day. Put me in like. Jabberwockies and fire me. <laughs> oh, no, please. I really want to see you in the Jabberwockies. That's Jabba, now like, Jabba the Hut Walkies. That's about it. That's now that's a life goal of mine is, is to be in Jabberwockies. To, uh, not you, not me, you. I want to see I'm not, you. No, I'm not I want to see never coming in Jabberwockies. All I want to see is like 
like a like an SNL sketch comedy version of like like you remember the the Patrick Swayze Chippendale sketch the one of the best sketches I of just all want time. that Harley, rest in peace Patrick Swayze uh, rest in peace uh, well and Patrick Swayze yeah um <clears throat> that I just I want that recreated with you in the Jabberwockies <laughs> like I want <laughs> not happen not happening. Oh not my god, happening. it would be money. Not happening. Not happening. I like I can't. Oh my god, that money. would be you. You can't sit here and tell me that that would be hilarious. I can't. I have no. I have no rhythm. Like Farley had way more rhythm for a guy of his size than should have. Um. So there's there's no way I could even come close to Farley, let alone trying to be anywhere near funny uh, with my dance moves. I had. So a funny story is there's a pro wrestler named Tracy Smothers. He just passed away in October from cancer. And I had an opportunity to wrestle Tracy um, in Chillicothe, Ohio. And one of the things Tracy would do is Tracy would come out and he would cut like a 30 to 45 minute promo on the crowd about complete and utter nonsense. And it always ended in with his opponent being challenged to a dance off. And I knew I was wrestling him. I knew it was coming. And I'm like, I can't dance. There's no way. I'm going to just do the most silliest shit of all time. So, like, I, like, tried to dance as best as I could. I even got on, like, the mat and did, like, the swim move and, like, the backstroke and just <laughs> tried to make myself look just as ridiculous as possible. And I was, what I was trying to do was pop Tracy. Like, I was trying to make Ch Tracy just lose character. Just trying to do the most silliest shit he had never seen before because normally everybody out dances Tracy out dances Tracy. I I didn't outdance Tracy. <laughs> That's how bad my dancing was. And so I have a friend, his name's Rick, and he lives in Florida now. He was in the crowd. He used to, he became a wrestler later on, but he was in the crowd that night. He's like, That's the first time I ever saw you, and I never laughed so hard in my life. He's like you can't dance, but goddamn, was it funny? <laughs> see, and that's why it would be perfect to see you try out for the jab. Yeah, but I was in a I was in a position where I I I knew I was wrestling Tracy that night, and I couldn't. I was like, I'm not backing out of wrestling Tracy. But and now you're in the ring. It's either it's the same mentality as like taking a a, a superplex off the top rope. Like you're already up there. You're going. You're already in the ring. You're going to have to dance because Ch Tracy's going to challenge you to a dance off. And I'm like, oh, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I wanted to Pearl Harbor him and like, just not let it happen. But I was like, I can't do that to the vet. Like Tracy will probably shoot on me and like, like take my eye out or something. But um, yeah, I, 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 I love that match. I, I appreciated the compliment he gave me later on, but I didn't really think it was a compliment at the time. And because I'd not seen for anybody that's a pro wrestling fan out there, there was a wrestler by the name of Buzz Sawyer, and he wrestled in a lot of the southern territories where Tracy wrestled. And Tracy were taking helping Tracy take his stuff out to the car. He had a lot of, a lot of gimmicks and stuff. And he like he's like, hey, we had a good match tonight. He's like, you remind me a lot of Buzz Sawyer. And I'm like, I've been told people told me I remind him a lot of people, but I'm like, is that a compliment or is he dissing me? And then I went and I was like, I got to watch some Buzz Sawyer stuff because I had not seen a ton of Buzz Sawyer stuff at that time. And I'm like, okay, it's a compliment. 
it has to be a compliment. There's no way it could be, it could be a, uh, an insult at all. Um, and you know, again, Tracy just recently passed away. So I want to say, um, the thanks for the compliment, Tracy, and, and I'll, I'll see you again soon, sir. And I ran into Tracy a bunch of other times and he remembered me. He remembered everybody. He remembered me from, from that night. Like, he's like, Oh yeah. Chili coffee. I'm like, how the fuck do you remember that shit? Like, I'm just a run of the mill Joe, but he remembered me from that night. So I really took that as kind of like a really cool thing. Cause Tracy had had, he had had a small run in WWF at the time. But he, he really like made a name for himself in in WCW and ECW, um, so he was kind of a journeyman, and he was just a, an outstanding talent. Like he used to talk to the boys and help young wrestlers and like give advice. Like he gave me advice and things to do. So he was not just like a guy that stuck his nose in the air at you. He was like, <clears throat> kind of like just one of the boys. And I always enjoyed my time around Tracy. And I'm getting on a rambling here about wrestling, which I can do. I keep talking about it, but uh, I just wanted to mention that because that's the only time I can think about like I had to dance in front of a crowd that I was very uncomfortable but comfortable at the same time. If that makes sense. And I've done some dumb shit in wrestling. I've never. <clears throat> I've done a lot of things in front of crowds, and I've never. So unless you count, you know literally everyone that has TikTok that could potentially see any of my dance videos that I put out. I've never really danced in front of anybody <clears throat> that's not like somebody that I just know, you know? We could talk about your high kick you did the one time, split your pants. Hey, I stand by that high kick. I maintain that you did. I, I maintain that sure did I ruin $500 suit pants that I got for my brother's wedding? Definitely. Are they still in shambles somewhere in my house? 100%. But do I stand by the fact that I can do a high kick uh, and that uh, fuck Mike uh, in that particular <laughs> instance? <laughs> yes, I stand by that 100%. <laughs> always will. Okay. All right. All right. Mike, if, I respect for, some, I respect if for some reason you're listening to this, Mike, I still love you, but also fuck you. Uh, <clears throat> funny. That's funny. Um, Jason, uh, anything else to add to what we've been talking about here? <sighs> no, I think... Uh... I think we've done this episode a, a fair bit of justice. Uh, one one little thing that I would like to say, though, I, we did talk a little bit about my my TikTok, and so I feel like it's a decent way for me to segue into this. So I will take this opportunity. <clears throat> I did launch a solo podcast. Uh, when this airs, it will be last week. And there are now, as of this episode airing, three episodes of that podcast available. And it's called TikTok with Jason Quinn. And on that podcast, I interview some of my fellow TikTokers. Um, it's a much more bite-sized podcast than this one. <clears throat> it's only about 15 to 20 minute long episodes. Um, so it's not... <clears throat> 
anywhere near as lengthy as the ones that we're putting out here. Um, but it is a really good time. And um, I've interviewed some very, very interesting people, some of which I uh, <clears throat> hope to have on here as guests at some point in time. Um, but uh, if you know, you can you can listen to that podcast anywhere that you're listening to to know your cinema. So just take that little opportunity to plug that podcast. <clears throat> yeah, I, I want to take the opportunity to let the fans know that um, at the beginning of the year there will be some changes that come to know your cinema podcast, and and they will be big changes. So uh, we're not going to discuss them at this time, um, just because uh, the other person is not here. Um, so we're going to, we're going to allow, uh, everyone to be present when we talk about that, but there will be some big changes, um, and exciting changes, uh, as well for, um, know your cinema. Uh, it, it's a new venture, uh, we're going to be getting into. So we want to, you know, always be honest with you fans and let you know what's going on with us, um, and the podcast itself, um, just because we want to keep you in the know. So, uh, just to give you a kind of a heads up, there will be some changes coming at the beginning of the year. And uh, we hope that you continue to support us, continue to listen, continue to enjoy the podcast as much as possible. So with that said, Jason, do you have the choices for uh, movie number three of our Christmas movies? Now, you've already got two, two movies picked out of the three that you so this the odds for odds for us getting something that me or Vivin picked is is very high so without any further ado will you run down the list of movies that we have in the stocking you want me to run down everything that's in here yeah what's left okay but I'll, I'll count them off as we put them back i'll put them back in here okay so we got jingle all the way yep that's a phenomenal movie uh the night before that's I mine. need an excuse to own this movie you don't need to just own it, man. That's a that's one of my new favorite Christmas movies. One it's, scene in that movie is, is worth price of, admis- price of admission. One just one scene. Oh, 100 percent. it's and it has quite possibly one of the funniest. It has not that 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 scene has nothing to do with Christmas. No, nothing at all to do with Christmas, but it might be one of the funniest scenes in cinematic history. Yes, abs 110%. I almost have to prepare myself for the hit scene every year because I will I will break a rib laughing so hard. It's like it's <clears throat> like I watch movies in the living room, like and usually there's like a kid sleeping in the living room. If I watch this movie, the odds the, are good because you get six. Right. Yeah. So if I watch this movie in the living room and there's a sleeping kid, I almost have to like, you know kind of laugh into a fucking pillow just as a opportunity to to try to stifle some of the the laughter of it and you really got to stretch it out before the film because you're yeah you're definitely laughing. you're gonna cramp up you're gonna cramp up <clears throat> um i also have it's a wonderful life Absolutely classic. uh gremlins mine thought it was she, but I was like, I don't know if that was Vivin or, and I, I was like, I don't know if it was Vivin or me. I, I think any, any of us could have picked that one. Um, Christmas horror movie, which is what I, what I like. To, how white. 
the Santa Claus. That's you. I think that was Ben. Because you got no, I didn't pick it. I had not seen it. I love that movie, but I didn't pick it. Oh, did Vivin pick it? Okay. Yeah, I think it was Vivin. <clears throat> um, Christmas Vacation. That's mine. Um, it's a must every year. Phenomenal. Best Christmas movie ever. A Christmas Story. I picked that one. Uh, Home Alone. That was another Vivin choice. That yeah, that's a, that's a must watch too. Absolutely. Um, Bad Mom's Christmas. That was that was me. And then Trapped in Paradise. That was my other one. So, all right. That's how I. I know that I didn't pick the Santa Claus because (laughs) neither of you two have seen Trapped in Paradise or Bad Mom's Christmas. That's right. Hey, it's got John Lovitz in it. I'm I'm game if it's got Lovitz in it. I have a weird, and it's, it's, I had a weird love for John Lovitz, but because everything he's in, he's just so fucking funny. I love him, and then it's also got Nicolas Cage, and I find Nicolas Cage to be one of the most entertaining actors to watch because you never know what you're gonna get. He's a fucking box of chocolates of a human being on screen. Like he is the embodiment of a Forrest Gump box of chocolates in acting because you fucking you never know which version of Nicolas Cage is going to be on the screen yeah he's an academy award winning actor he's and he in some and the crazy part about it is is sometimes you're like how does this dude have a job and then other times you're like okay that's how he's got a job like he's absolutely brilliant in this particular move you know what I mean so it's he's so he's just such a toss-up. But here we go. Out any further ado, reaching in, grabbing one, got it, opening up the thing. We are watching the Santa Claus. Yes. All right. I've never seen it, so I'm yes. excited. Excited to watch it. I'm not a huge fan of Tim Allen, um, but I appreciate Christmas movies. Knocking one off the old bucket list. I could have watched it last year, um, but I chose not to because I respect the podcast and I try not to watch movies I haven't watched ever. So it's hard sometimes when you're browsing through movies and you're like, oh, I really want to see this movie. So it has to be a movie like I know for a fact Jason and Vivian have not watched before I can go, yep, I can watch it. That's why I'm always sending you guys messages like, hey, yeah. have you seen this movie? You're like, nope, all right, arm gold. Right. Because we got to keep It's like sometimes, like, and sometimes, sometimes I appreciate those messages more than others. Sometimes I'm like, like, no, I haven't seen Debbie Does Dallas. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's not the kind of movie that I'm watching on. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's one that I've never watched either. (laughs) I did see a movie one time uh, called Lord of the G Strings, which is a, softcore porn parody of Lord of the Rings. Um, there's a porn parody for everything. But that's a- <clears throat> it was on Cinemax. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my mom's gonna be listening to this podcast. <laughs> I know if there's ever like an opportunity to like I'm not saying that you should watch it, but like 
it, it existed. I, I, I believe you. I thoroughly believe you. <laughs> so, with that said, so we can get out of here and take this home, put a bow on this Christmas episode, so to speak. Pardon the pun. Actually, hell with that pun intended. Um, Time for a bow. Yeah. Um, we are still living in a, a very different world that 2020 has brought us. Um, you know, everybody's struggling with different things, whether it be the holidays, and by that I mean Thanksgiving and Christmas and being around loved ones and doing the normalcy that is our Christmas time. Um, but I hope that everyone can somehow find that Christmas spirit um, because, as my best friend and brother used to say, everything is right in the world today. Um, and, you know, I actually feel like this week has been a kind of tough one for me, so I feel like I needed to get through that. Um, so <clears throat> I appreciate that. And um, also remember, never take life too seriously because we'll never make it out alive. Folks, that's it for episode 10. We will be watching the Santa Claus next week. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Um, again, please check us out on our social, social, social media. I can't even talk. Social media platforms um, that were listed in the middle of the episode. We would appreciate your likes, your comments, your supports, your votes. Um, as, like I said, we move forward into the new year. There will be some changes coming with Know Your Cinema podcast. We have some exciting th ideas that me and Jason and Vivin are running through our minds. So we want to uh, make you guys a part of that. And the only way to do that is to stay tuned to our social media platforms and this podcast. Please share it when we put out links to the podcast. Please tell all your friends. Um, we're trying to do what we love to do here. And it gives us a little bit of time away from uh, the world uh, that we live in currently and helps us, uh, you know, meditate or the, our get away from our everyday lives, especially Jason. He's got six kids. So I'm sure that he's pulling his out at times. Oh, man. I need this podcast so bad. <laughs> so, um, but with that said, I hope everybody stays safe this week and we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye.